Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, episode 220, A New Dawn, can't speak, and Jamer returns. My name's Matthew Turner alongside Steve Collins and Ashley Soden, soon to be joined by Anthony Fitzpatrick as well. How are you doing, boys? Amazing now. If only the high of last night slash this morning wasn't good enough for us. Not, uh, uh, not only have they finally found two packs killer, as Steve quite excellently pointed out when he joined but Jamo is free. Our boy is free. He can come. Uh, he can come back as of Monday. Officially rejoin the team, and then next week against Carolina, he can get us some sweet, sweet burning revenge. I mean, it, it, these are the shows where we feel amazing, and I'm just going to have to try not to be smug for the next hour. I mean, <laughs> this gonna is going, it's going to be a fucking smug show, this is. Mm-hmm. Strap in, people. Right, let's get all of the preamble out of the way very, very quickly. Uh, so, Discord channel, I've put the links in YouTube and Twitch. Join us there. Really fun place to hang out with us all week, all year. Great place to be. Just do it. Um, College Football Podcast. That is going to be, you know, it was on Wednesday. So go back and listen to that week four in review, week five preview. Guys doing some great stuff. And with the draft in Detroit this year, no better time than to tune into college football. Please don't forget to like the show, sub to the podcast, rate, review, all that sort of stuff. Small podcasters that we are makes a real big difference, every single one of them. So thank you in advance. Lions Nation Unite. Don't forget to download the app at lionsnationunite.com and also on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash Lions Nation Unite, Herman Moore's project to bring the best in Lions content creators together. Go and support them there. And we are Twitch affiliated, YouTube monetized, and we have a tip jar down below in the YouTube channel description. So if you want to show any appreciation during the show, that is much appreciated. There's also a feedback form down there too. So if you want to give any constructive criticism or ideas for content, you can do that there. My my constructive criticism is that we're a small podcast, not small podcasters. Yes, that's very well. I mean, you can speak for us and uh, maybe not, maybe not Ash, but well, well, all, all, I can, all I can think is um, Ryan calling Khalif Raymond a flying gnome. Oh, Steve, <laughs> on that, I've got a present for you because not only did I clip it on Twitch, to be fair, Khalif Raymond's like four foot 11, it's been like a garden gnome. I have it permanently on my phone. I found a way of downloading it. So every single time one of these comes out now, I can download it and bring it back later. I that have needs to be like a custom receipts. message alert for Ryan on his own. You've got, <laughs> yeah. you got to clip it even more. So like every time we're talking about like, say like next week we're talking about like a Panthers O-lineman, you just and it just goes, he's built like a garden gnome. He's built like oh, a garden gnome. Oh, yeah, true. Oh, never mind that. I'll get Going to up against Bryce Young next week. If he's healthy. Yeah, he'll be ready to go. Anyway, many <laughs> thanks to someone called Ash underscore Sodden. Don't know who that is. Who's gifted five tier one subs on Twitch. Many thank you for that. Getting us to our sub goal of 60. So gifted subs to Varnell30, Dirty Fucking Water, 
lovely name. Guinness here, 702 Steph and The Gomus. Uh, appreciate you guys very, very much for watching the show. Enjoy your gifted stuff. We're to 60. Next up, 70. Right. Let's get on with this. And player moves. We have Matt Nelson moving to IR. Officially, we've been told for some time he's needed surgery. The move wasn't actually made official for a few days. He's now gone. Tight end Daryl Daniels was signed from the practice squad to the active roster. That was because Jason Kabinda had been ruled out and he is an H-back or can fill that role and actually did so very effectively in the game as well. Uh, tackled Connor Galvin and safety Brandon Joseph were elevated from the practice squad to the active roster for the game that's Joseph's second elevation so he only has one left before he needs to be signed to the main roster to play in another game and the really big news that broke about 10 minutes ago Jameson Williams has been reinstated to the Detroit Lions main roster there have been new gambling rules which have just been announced between the NFL and the NFL Players Association in short the offence he committed would have, under the new rules, only had a two-game suspension. So since he has served four, they have reinstated him and also Nicholas Petit-Friere from the Tennessee Titans who committed the same offence. Two games will be the first offence, six for the second, one year for a third. If you bet on NFL games not your own, it's a one-year ban. And if you bet on NFL games, including your own, it's a minimum two-year ban. If you fix a game, you are permanently banned from the sport Boys, it's a big move for the NFL to bring this out, especially mid-season. But is it the right move? Do you think there should be there should have been something else? And also, Jamie coming back is obviously massive for this team, especially off the back of what just happened yesterday. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let's. I'll probably. I've already said my piece on this earlier, but yeah, I think it is kind of more fair. Maybe I know me and you were discussing that before we went live that maybe you should for other sports like college sports or basketball that. If you declare it and you do it through like a regulated way, maybe they should allow it because who doesn't love a flutter every now and then? Like the Grand National is my big one. I always put a few uh, a few pounds down on that, but they do need to protect the shield. So increasing the sort of discipline to do with NFL games makes sense to me. But I'm just glad that JMO has been freed from jail. He can walk into the practice facility on Monday and hopefully hit the ground running. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, I guess the only thing is, like, if if the NFL are doing this, like, shortly, like, you know, in week four, like, it's just a really bad time. It, and it kind of shows that, that there's obviously a slightly chaotic behind the scenes in terms of trying to deal with, like, the kind of gambling stuff. Um, you know, so, I mean, surely they could have either done it before the start of the season or way to the end of the season, but... Of, I would imagine there's probably other cases and stuff that they want to get sorted. So mm. um, I, I wouldn't be surprised now if like a few more cases come out. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Mile Marker has just put in a super chat in the chat as well. Thank you very much for doing that. It says Lions and JMO exclamation mark. I mean, that's where we're at right now. And what a different team this looks like. And Flint Town and Down on Twitch as well, subscribing with Prime, their seventh month saying, place your Kool-Aid comment here, which I appreciate <laughs> very much. Right. Um, briefly on JMO, how much does it change his offense? Obviously, he has struggled a little bit with chemistry with Goff and he's dropped a few balls, but he's a different kettle of fish to what we've got on the field right now. Yeah. 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 Go on, Ash. I was going to say, like, we obviously we were bemoaning the fact we're empty. I know we have Khalif. Khalif's done some great things. We'll come to later, the big play yesterday. 
and one of the things is that I found out admittedly for the Lions um, PR team is that we do have a deep threat in Josh Reynolds. He's currently got the second biggest receiving average in the league of players with over 10 receptions. We've got that deep threat, but at the same time, JMO's speed is just that different dimension. We saw last week what having Waddle and Hill did for the Dolphins. They were able to put 17 on the Broncos because they could just hit deep play after deep play. JMO gives us that option. Goff might not have the best deep ball to hit him in stride every single time, like a Mahomes or an Allen, but the threat of him, JMO, just being able to take the ball 80 yards in one play. The defence has to respect that. It's going to open up the short to intermediate game even more for us, which means Laporta will have more to, uh, got, uh, yards to get. Amaral will get more yards to get. Gibbs on angle routes and swings out the backfield because they'll be so focused on JMO, they won't think about Gibbs taking a swing pass out the backfield for 40 yards. It just opens up the playbook a whole lot more than what we've had the first couple of weeks. Um, I hope no one out there yeah. is suggesting that Tua has a better long pass than Goff, because that ain't true. Sorry, Steve. I think it's all about being unpredictable with our offence. And I think there's just been the odd moment in the season, particularly in the Seattle game, but maybe a bit in the uh, Falcons game as well, where things were just looking a bit predictable. And, and Jamie just, as I said, just, just opens up the options um, and it stretches the, the the secondary and it just gives them so, so much more to worry about. Um, I think we probably just need a note of caution probably the offence isn't going to change much in the next two games because I would imagine they're going to ease him in. Uh, like We don't really know what his injury status is in terms of, because of his suspension, we don't know you know, how well he's been coping with his injury. and Is he 100% fit or is he still like, you know, are they still sort of keeping an eye on it? Um, because the last thing they want him to do is to pick up another injury or to like aggravate something that, you know, hasn't quite been fully tested. I mean, you would imagine that they would have fully tested it, but again, we 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 don't know. So, so I would expect to see him um, having that many targets certainly next week, um, and I think he's going to be eased in. And and I'm kind of like already, you know, I can imagine that if JMO like only gets a couple of targets and God forbid drops a pass against the Panthers, then all hell will break loose in the fan base. Um, you know, we need to be patient because he's going to take another couple of games to settle in. Yeah, so I know that Campbell was asked last week about it because obviously it was halfway through, he could return to do some stuff in the facility. He was asked about James' injury and he said he's good. So hopefully they know what his injury is like and he is ready. And also I hope the fan base doesn't act like that, especially with the running ground we've had to do the past couple of weeks against certain and, uh, fantasy analysts who are bemoaning our use of Gibbs. If we're running or around Montgomery. or Montgomery, exactly. So if we're sort of having that sense to analyze that correctly, surely if Jamo drops a couple of balls, we're not suddenly all hell is breaking loose, jumping on the bandwagon with other analysts who are bemoaning our draft. So hopefully we've got a bit more common sense this season, but who knows? Yeah, just to qualify, he's he's able to come back from Monday, I think, because yeah. the idea is Jamo was banned for the Thursday game, which means that Nicholas Petty Friere, if he was reinstated for Sunday's game, he would have played one extra game for the same offence at the same time. So Friere's banned for Sunday's game. They're both back Monday. That's how I read all of that. Many thanks yeah. as well to Brian Shook, super chatting for $10 as well, saying here is for the imminent Gibbs handing to JMO reverse and opposing DCs having nervous breakdowns thinking about it. 
speaking my language. Right, let's crack on with this. In-game injuries, Chase Lucas left the game during the second quarter with an illness. Brian Branch was shook up on a play during the third quarter, was carted off into the locker room with an ankle injury, came back heavily strapped, and in the fourth quarter seemed to re-aggravate the injury and stay off the field. Me and Asher are both in fits during the game, calling him to, to be removed because we'd won the game by that point. Campbell has said in a press conference since that it doesn't appear to be anything serious on that point. So glad to hear that. Derek Barnes also left the game on a goal line play with cramps. Came back, though, by the end of the game. On off-field news, Jason Kabinda was a runner-up for the NFL Players Association Community MVP of the week for week three. He hosted 100 students for a day at Top Golf as a reward for academic excellence, attendance, and behavior. But the winner for the current week, week four, was Frank Ragnow. I think that was announced today. He hosted eight grieving families for the day at his foundation's second annual Fishing for Memories event. Two absolute legends of our team no matter what you think about Jason and whether he should have been on the team at all and you know that doesn't come into it at all what we've known about him especially since we met him on this show and what we know about Frank and what we've seen from them is that are two top-notch players who exemplify everything it is about being a Detroit Lion yeah absolutely yeah 100% Going into trivia, because Ash being Ash has has provided me with some trivia about this win. So here goes nothing. This is the first time the Lions have won six straight divisional games since 1995. Ties the franchise record for consecutive games scoring 20 plus points, which was 13 in 1995. They're the sixth team in NFL history to win two road primetime games in September. And what you didn't add, I don't think, but I'm sure I read it, was that all of the previous five have made or won the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, all previous five have made the Super Bowl and the past two have won it. David Montgomery, that's a heck of a stat. David David (laughs) Montgomery has tied for the most rushing touchdowns in his first three games for Detroit, which is five tied with Billy Sims in 1980. He's the first Lion since James Stewart in 2000 to run for 100 plus yards and three touchdowns. He's the first Lion to have three plus rushing touchdowns at Green Bay since James Jones in 1983. And the only other Lions player other than Sims to rush for 65 plus yards and a touchdown in each of their first three games with the team and the first line to do so in three straight games since Kevin Smith in 2008 which is the wordiest thing I've ever had to say Sorry. <laughs> Sam Laporta has the most yards and receptions by a tight end in their first four career games in NFL history Josh Reynolds his receiving average is second in the NFL all of his 12 receptions have been first downs 58% of his receptions have been for more than 20 yards Aiden Hutchinson is one of four players to log at least one and a half sacks in Green Bay in consecutive games, and the first since Shea McClellan in 2012-13. Alex Anzalone became the first line since 2000 with five or more sacks for 21 straight games. And Jerry Jacobs is the first cornerback to have two interceptions at Green Bay since Dick LeBeau in 1968. Lions making not insignificant history here, but that one about two road primetime games in September is quite fun. I will say that the only teams that get road primetime games in September twice are probably teams that the, the league thinks highly of already, but we're clearly in that bucket, and the power rankings are going to reflect that. 
Uh, you would hope so, except for CBS. They'll find a way to keep they'll find a way to keep Green Bay above us as they always do. They'll be like, oh yeah, I like Jordan Love looked good on the few throws he did make. So because they've got because he did that, like they're gonna be one spot above the Lions, and maybe the Lions can get it back when they see him next time. If, if we're not a top ten, if we're not a top ten team in everyone's power rankings, yeah. yeah. Then well, yeah, we are a top three team in the NFC. We're a top three team in the NFC, and there may well be seven AFC teams that are better than us. But only seven AFC teams can actually make the Super Bowl. So if we're third in the NFC and there are seven others, we're tenth minimum. Like logically, it can't be any other yeah. way. And to be fair, I don't think there is seven AFC teams better than us. No, there, there clearly isn't. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Point stands. Anyway. Let's let's move on to the game. So obviously the Lions win thirty four to twenty in in a dominating performance, guys. But we'll come on to the game itself in just a moment. The stats themselves: Jared Goff nineteen of twenty eight for two hundred and ten yards, a touchdown and interception. Rushing the ball, the Lions rushed forty three times for two hundred and eleven yards and three touchdowns, including thirty two rushes by David Montgomery for one hundred and twenty one yards and three touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs. And Khalif Raymond got the same number of yards, 40, but Raymond got it on one carry, Gibbs got it on eight. <laughs> and Jared Goff got two two uh, rushes for 10 yards, including a long of 11. In the receiving game, the Lions were led by Josh Reynolds, three catches on six targets for 69 yards, and Amon Rasen Brown, five catches on seven targets for 56 yards and a touchdown. On offense for Green Bay, Jordan Love, 23 of 36 for 246, a touchdown and two interceptions. Rushing the ball, they almost had 20% of what we did. 12 carries for 27 yards, including five carries for 18 yards by Aaron Jones and five for 11 for A.J. Dillon. In the receiving game, Romeo Dobbs had a good day, nine on 13 for 95 yards, and Jaden Reed, three of five for 55 yards. Otherwise, not a lot happening there. Christian Watson did uh, pitch in with a touchdown, Two catches on four targets for 25 yards and a touchdown. They did have two fumbles, none of which were lost, unfortunately. But there we go. On defense, led by Brian Branch, seven tackles. There were eight tackles for a loss, which included five sacks. One by Kaminsky, one by McNeil, one by Bugs, half a sack by Charles Harris, and one and a half by Hutchinson. The three tackles for loss otherwise were by McNeil, Will Harris, Jack Campbell. For Green Bay... They were led by Quay Walker, who had more than double the number of tackles of anyone else. 19. Uh, The team had six tackles for a loss, including two sacks. Those two sacks were by Devontae Wyatt and Carl Brooks. Both teams had interceptions. Rudy Ford had the one early on Jared Goff. Jerry Jacobs had both for the Lions. And both kickers were perfect on the day. Boys, 27-3 at the half. Green Bay came into it a bit late, maybe jangled the nerves just a little bit, but the stats don't lie. 211 rushing yards for the Lions in 27 for Green Bay. It was a stomping, especially in the first half. I mean, I, I can't think of a first half performance that's been better in the Holmes-Campbell era. I mean, it was kind of, obviously, I think Goss threw a pick, so it wasn't flawless, but it was you know, the, the, that interception cost us three points because the defence closed it down. Um, and you just couldn't ask for any more. I mean, like 27-3, like Lafleur looked shook at halftime. He looked absolutely shook. There was a great um, picture of him, like on his headset with like 
I think just before the two minute warning before half time. And I think at that point, the the Packers were on minus two yards offense. Um, and he was, he just looked pale and like he just stepped out of a car crash. Um, and he's, you know, I mean, the Fleur is one of these guys that's pretty kind of um, amiable to the media, but like his interview at halftime was pretty terse about his own players. Um, so just couldn't ask for any more. Completely agree. Like, you, well, Matt saw me live reacting to it. We were just dominating. I was to the point where I said this game could be wrapped up by half time. Obviously, kind of proven wrong, and I was kind of crossing my legs, crossing my fingers and hoping I wasn't going to get showing up on freezing cold takes. But that first half, we were just all over them. Whatever we wanted to do, right? run the ball, pass the ball, sack Jordan Love, stop the run with a TFL. We did it. It was amazing. Let's get on to talking about the game itself then. And we alluded to it just now. The first drive started in the worst possible way. Montgomery ran for no gain. Goff passed to Khalif for a loss of two. And then on third and 12, pressure by White at the middle. Reed's zone coverage, but panics and underthrows. A wobbly ball off his back foot, just hung up there forever. And Rudy Ford reads the play really well, plucks it out of the air and returns it all the way down to the Detroit 16. Boys, I have to tell you that there were shades of other games I've watched actually on the other side of it. So it kind of reminded me of the first game that Zach Wilson ever played against us. You know, that interception so early. Obviously, that went a similar way to the way this one did in that team actually ended up losing the game. Darnold, thank you, not Wilson. Thank you. Um, But I had a sickening, horrible feeling that everything I thought I knew about this team was going to come crashing down. Did you have the same feeling, Steve? Um, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like trusting Goff now. And like, because I don't think Goff is a quarterback that has like a really bad game at any point of, you know, I don't, it's a long, long time um, since Goff has just been like a complete bomb scare. Like Goff plays well in patches and Goff occasionally has, you know, a sticky patch. But like when he threw that pick, I didn't think like Goff's going to go to pieces now because that's not who he is. Like he does have that calm um, and he does have the ability to kind of seemingly pull himself out of it. Um, I can't remember the last time that he had like two bad quarters consecutively. Um, He always seems to be able to like pull something off. And I think it was when he came out for the next drive. Well, I think, first of all, the fact that the defence shut that drive down of the Packers and they only scored a field goal, that must have given him a bit of confidence. Because if that um, if that interception had turned into like seven points, you can imagine that had been a bit of a kick in the nuts for Goff. But the fact that the defence, you know, got him out of trouble seemed to calm him down because he immediately started going for his throws on the second drive. And um, I, there was like some some awesome balls that he threw like pretty quickly after that. So I, I was kind of like, I was kind of cool with that. I, I was kind of okay. I, I I didn't go into meltdown mode. We kind of, well, I did it a cut a tiny bit. I was like, you stupid idiot. But watching back, watching it back. Is that to what you said, Ash? Did you did you say you stupid idiot? 
Yeah, you could probably go back and find the clip of me just with my head in my hands going, you stupid. Because I did it last week when he threw the inception. I literally the exact same reaction. <laughs> oh, Ash. Come on, you need, the, to, you need to get some spicy swear words. Yeah, I'll save them for later. I'll save them for later. A weekend with Ryan McCluskey. Oh, no, no. I, I, wasted, I wasted them all of them on Wednesday night when I was uh, with the Aston Villa-Everton game. They That took up my allocation for the week. But watching yeah, it he, back... He upgraded to stupid pillock later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Oh, let's. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, but watching it back to do the drive summary for this, I can see what happened. As uh, we kind of got fifty percent now, and when it was watching it live, White just got in his face, sort of slipped over, but he panicked, saw it with his own coverage, and thought, "Amara, he's coming. He's probably going to be open across the middle. He'll find a hole in his own. I'll go for him." And just because of that panic, he just slightly over underthrows it, and just it's just to the left of where Amara is, and Ford could just get it. It was just one of those where. He panicked a bit, didn't wind up the arm as much and take that little second, half second to settle. And he turned the ball over. And then, but as you say, defense came out, did what he needs to do, and he bounced back on the next drive with some absolute darts. So Green Bay take over, backed up in your own red zone. Got to stop him here to stop any momentum going Green Bay's way. And they do just that. Love sacked by Hutch, who stunted over from the seven technique through the right guard, drove him back. Fantastic play. They take a 3 nothing lead. We then get back on offense and two distinct plays really do the business for us. Goff with a deep pass to Sam Laporta, crossing route right to left. Really tight coverage, but it's a fantastic throw and Laporta just bullies his way through. Very next play, Goff to Amon Ra for a touchdown. Amon Ra runs potentially one of the smartest routes you'll ever see in Blink and you'll miss it. He runs a curl, which is just a sort of uh, it was a 10-yard curl. Yeah. So go out 10 yards, come back towards the quarterback, catch a ball, probably sit down, no yak, just take your 10. When he comes back, he sees that his defender slips. And instead of coming back towards the quarterback, he then turns upfield and runs behind him. Totally unplanned route. And Goff, to his credit, sees what Amara sees and throws a beautiful pass. And I mean, it's not quite on target. Amara basically has to dive into the end zone because he's unbalanced. But... Goff completely, um, you know, makes up for his mistake with that play. And Amon Rasen Brown, you can see how smart that guy is. Two plays, the Lions go basically the distance of the field, boys. And suddenly, from an interception, the Lions are 7 3 up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we call it again. We called, I recorded it live. You saw it. And supposedly, with an interview that Amara did after the fact, Douglas came up to him and said, Oh, yeah. I, you like, because you ran that play against us last year, I was jumping it. And Amara's like, yeah, that's the point. We draw up this play because we knew you were going to jump on the curl flat. You slipped and then obviously he converted it. So it was a combination of us looking back at what we did last year, seeing that they'll see that build game playing off that. But then also we say Amara just having that football IQ to see the slip, instantly convert his route to a go route, Goff seeing it as well, and it works. And I'm dis- I'm disappointed, Dan. Where's the where's the uh, Vince Wilfork outfit? Oh, yeah, you try getting one of those 16 hours after a game ends. <laughs> I mean, you were the one that said it. I did. I never said when I was going to wear it. I, I, I will. I, I keep my promises. But, you know, it takes time to acquire that sort of stuff. So that's, that's not how I remember your comment on that. I swear you uh, said if, if we win, I'll wear it on the podcast tomorrow. No, I said I'll wear it on the podcast. Yeah, you go check Twitter. Get your facts right. <laughs> You are right. 
you are right. I will back down. And how are you feeling? Uh, what are we now? Uh, nine o'clock the next day. So is it 19 hours on? I don't know. 21 hours on? Well, I did, what, eight hours? We were about 16 hours on. It's yeah, not been that long that. since it finished. No, it hasn't. I'm feeling great. It's fuck the Packers Friday. I mean, what 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 else do you want in life? That that is that is all you need. Raise raise a glass. You know, Packers are dead. We're alive. Jameson Williams is back. We are an unstoppable king freight train right now, and and we acted like one yesterday. It was that that was like ten years of pain and suffering and anguish rolled into one and dumped on their doorstep on the foot of their players. You know, we beat them down. We battered them. And, you know, it took a very large, generous payment to the refs in that third quarter for them to even get any offense at all on the day. So, you know, I am I'm incredibly happy with this team. They that first half is the greatest first half of football I've ever seen from them, period. Yeah, it's it's as close to utter domination as you're going to get. So we we have more offensive points than they had offensive passing yards or offensive yards or that that just tells you the story, and especially so early when you throw a pick the like second play of the game or something stupid like that and you're like oh god here we go, and the way they just brushed that off the shoulder they they didn't care they brushed it off it was done, you know next drive you know defense comes out field goal great you've limited the damage come out redo it go again they did. You know, this this team is not mentally faced by anything or anybody, and they just laid a big old kind of whoop-ass out on the Packers, and they got embarrassed. They were bad. Just shows last week that the Saints were... Saints are frauds. Not good enough to extend that lead in the second half. We we were we were, we were great. It's interesting, and you said, like, we've killed the Packers, but, like, we were just talking before you came, came on air about... Goff and him throwing the pick and how he felt and how we feel about Goff now. And I was saying, you know, like, I'm I'm pretty cool with Goff throwing a pick now because I know that he's not going to go to pieces. He's not that kind of guy. But interestingly, like, the last time we played the Packers, we killed Aaron Rodgers. I kind of wonder whether we've killed Jordan Love because Love's kind of been um, almost beyond reproach for the last few games and you know there's been this like good feeling and buzz about him and you know they've not played anyone decent but love seems to have escaped a lot of kind of you know the, the kind of laser eye and I kind of wonder after this performance what how he's going to react and is he going to go to pieces next week and the week after is he going to be like shook now I mean I, I, yeah I agree we, with you I mean, you know, we we harassed him like serially all, all game, like from all over. Another four sacks in that first half. Then they were just they shut everything down. They tried to do there was no semblance of a run game like at all. And you just put them in third and long. You just send out the hounds to go get him. And we said about this during the other week. You wanted Glenn to be aggressive in his defense. By God, was he aggressive in his defense this week? They just they were just sending the house after him, and they couldn't. But they weren't. And the but guys, they weren't. but they blitzed him once. They weren't blitzing. But the guys one on one were superb. Like yeah, they were the double teams, and you know, so it was it was great. It was great Did... technique, great usage. It was you know the guys just really stepped up everywhere. Coverage was really good. They were aggressive, and you know, I love to see it. 
But after I've, all that, after all that pressure and throwing two picks, is Jordan Love going to be like seeing ghosts for the next few weeks and just go to pieces? I mean, it it probably I don't know. Well, I don't know what the schedule is going forward for them. I don't know what they've got next in terms of what they're facing. But I think it it certainly exposed him because. You know, in times of crisis, you want your quarterback to be able to sort of turn around, make some plays and, you know, keep your offense going. And it was, he just wasn't able to do it. I mean, when you're under so much pressure, it's kind of hard to tell because like the offensive line gave him no help. The running game gave him no help. Um, but there's a pattern sort of trending now. He, he was the same last week against the Saints. It was, there wasn't really that much going. You know, he didn't start making plays till the fourth quarter. You know, he didn't start making plays. I mean, Shouldn't really made any plays against us. Played them when the clock had run out, but I, he's not great at this moment in time. And that Packers offensive line been banged up's no good for him. Aaron Jones been hurt's no good for him. So I think so, he's just going to have a bad season. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know after ours how much you can sort of say about him because there's just so much pressure. Sorry, I just want to on the pressure point give a big shout out to our Packers guest on the preview show, because one thing he said about, I think it was John Runyon, but it was one of the guards. He said, this guy's okay in, in was it run blocking or something like that? Yeah, is run it, blocking. But if, yeah. but if you throw a stunt past him, it will look like he's never played football in his life. And how many times do we throw stunts at him? It's like our defensive staff had actually watched their games and had diagnosed a thing that Peter had seen. And so yeah. having him on the show, telling us about that and then watching it happen was beautiful. And to yeah. that point, uh, we're just going through the first half now. The complimentary football on both sides was staggering. Like, go and score a touchdown. Force a three and out. Go and score a touchdown. Go a three and out. So we're talking Packers second possession here. Sack for a loss of six by Bugs. Incredible play by him through the middle. Next series for the Lions. Josh Reynolds with 23, similar to the interception play, but just thrown much better. Goff scrambles for 11. Then Montgomery punches it in for six. Another, uh, we stop him again at three and out. Then Goff deep to Reynolds for 26. Then the trick play for Gibbs for 40. He drives stalls out, but we get three. That's 17-3. And all we've done is stop him three times. Pretty simple plays, a little bit of pressure here and there. And then we go and execute. It feels so simple. It's not. We know through heavy experience it's not. But this was having your opponent by the balls and squeezing hard. It was amazing. Yeah, and we haven't even got to the massive gut punch in the first half, which is on their fourth drive. Like, even when they were looking like they were starting to threaten, kind of maybe get some rhythm, there was the gut punch of, not, you're not going three and out this time, you're getting one play on offense, then we're getting the ball back. Like, hell, hell to you touching the ball this half. So only, as we, as Amp said, uh, it's only in the second half where some decisions started to go questionably their way that shouldn't have that it started to get into that rhythm. So yeah, as you say, we had their foot, we had our foot on their throats and we're just slowly choking the air out of them, letting them just die beneath us. Yeah, so talking about that interception, fabulous play by three different Lions players. So Love throws over the middle, bit of a wobbly pass. Alex Anzalone gets his fingertips up there and it just wobbles up there. Tracy Walker absolutely levels Christian Watson. And I mean, absolutely takes him out. And then Jerry Jacobs puts a paw up there. And to be frank, 
That was probably as, as hard or harder an interception than the branch one, which was a pick six a few weeks back. Like, this was proper reaction and behind you stuff with one hand. Snagged it, took it for a good few yards. And at that point, boys, it went from 17-3, we're in the ascendancy, but only takes one touchdown for the Packers to come back into this to we are digging the grave for these guys. Yeah, it's about momentum. It's what we've preached for years. The team has not been able to just have momentum in a game, you know, and really put the hammer down on them. And this one, they did. They say just score on every drive. You mix up every sort of look you've given them. Monty runs like a fucking champion. Monty ran like he'd been getting dumped on in Chicago for five years with these guys, and he'd never had any success against them. He's like, he was a man with a point to prove, and you could see it. He got a stupid amount of yak in this game. And, like, it was just every time you needed some yards, you know, because you think you get to the third drive, the fourth drive, you're like, can we can can we keep this momentum going? And you're like, well, we're third and long. You know, we're in a bit of an icky situation. He get you the yards. You know, just give it to him. You know, extra yardage, just moves the chains. You know, and all those people went when Jamal Williams left, oh, you're losing your 17 touchdown back, and that's a terrible bit of business. Jamal Williams could not have made have done that Monty performance yesterday. Like he is physically incapable of being that dominant in games where you need those heavy yards, you need those gut punching plays. And like that is why our running back room is so much better. Even if Monty doesn't get 17 touchdowns or whatever on the year, he was amazing. Chain mover, offense just kept showing the looks. Everybody got involved this time. You know, Reynolds back in the action again, you know, Goff slinging it and and the impressive thing about Goff, I know you're talking about him when I came on, I didn't hear much of it, but his mental toughness just to bounce back from a pick. When he first came here two years ago, that would have destroyed his confidence for a game. He'd have like gone over conservative. It would have rattled him. He'd have gone into his shell. This Goff, the new iteration, the confident iteration, he just went to the bench. He sat there and he's like, water off a duck's back. It's done. It's gone. I can't do anything about it. I'm going to go out there and sling the ball around all over the place on these guys. And and he did. So it was, and, and then you say defense, get the ball back three and out pick Jerry. I'm just so delighted for Jerry. It was absolutely yeah. great. It's, you know, for two games of bad play, he's taken way too much criticism, but it's, you know, everyone just came in and pulled their weight, pulled their work together, recovered from an early set, but it was just wonderful. Just, just, just wonderful all the way. And the way the Packers just couldn't deal with it on either side. You're thinking, when are they coming back? Like, wh- When's the tide going to change? It didn't. Wonderful. Thanks to Jeff Hurley for the super sticker, saying number one fan, $10 super chat. Much appreciated, Jeff. You are incredible, as always. Um, all right. Moving on with just having a look back at some of these key plays off the back of that interception. I mean, we started there seven. Monty punches it in. It's 24 to three. We force them to go three and out again. Uh, and then we end up having to punt for the first time in our sixth drive, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, and they almost muff, oh, Reed does muff it. And frankly, six Lions got there before any Packers players did. How the Packers recovered that, I don't know. That would have made it even worse for them. Unfortunately, they recovered at their own eight. Uh, then their next drive, uh, they end up. Oh, hang on a minute. What's going on? So, yeah, they almost was that, had... Was the, that the one we nearly had a safety? Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. Hutch had him and he kind of just popped it, didn't he? Also, And it was a weird sort of almost rugby-style panic pass. Um, 
and Hutch was held like on that play Hutch was held before he got to Jordan Love which would have been a safety anyway yeah Yeah. Yeah. so shame never mind anyway and then we bleed the clock fantastically take a field goal great 27-3 Hutch and Harris end the Hail Mary attempt with a sack end up being 27-3 at the half Ant said it I echo the sentiment Steve Ash I mean, Steve, you kind of alluded to this already, but you said best of this regime. I'm confident it's the best in my fandom. Best first half, considering the pressure of this game, where it comes in the season, what it means to this team, and how well they apply themselves. Coming off the back of an interception in the first drive, I think it's the most impressive first half of football I've ever seen by this team. I concur. I can't remember yeah. a better one. No, no. It, it was as as Ant said. It was it was a comprehensive demonstration of every fat you know facet of football, um, and and we just we never took the foot off the throat at any point. And every time the offense came back on the field, they still looked dishevelled from the previous set of downs. Whenever the defense came back on the field, Goff immediately, you know, got a first down or put a big play on them. Like there was no respite. Like those Packers players must have just felt absolutely hunted. There was nowhere to hide. And and it's that momentum, isn't it? That you just pounded them and pounded them and they never had time to regroup. And, and that's what made the first half so good. And, you know, it was always inevitable that there was going to be some regrouping and adjustment with that time over the half. So you kind of knew they were going to come back and score points. But at, at 27-3, the game was, I wouldn't say the game was over, but, you know, it would have had to have been a complete capitulation. And there was nothing at 27-3 that made me think that, the, the you know, that, like the defence looked so dominant and the offence looked so explosive. I, I thought there's no way we're going to absolutely just, you know, disintegrate the bands Like, like yeah, we, the Colts we, did yeah. against the Vikings last year, for example. No, or something. I, I thought, you know, we, we, we could give up 10 points pretty quickly in, in, in the third quarter, but, you know, I, I can't see us just going to pieces. But the Packers looked like, they just didn't look up for it. It was just a weird thing. It, it was like the end of the game last year. I don't know whether it's because they still don't respect us enough and it's their turf and they feel like, you know, we can beat them here and that's kind of a thing. But like the lasting image I had of this first half, and it was it was on like a still of a David Montgomery run, was Graham Glasgow like absolutely beating the life out of Kenny Clark on a run play. He got under him. He just had this fucking look like an angry bear and Kenny Clark's like the fuck and he's got him and that's like our guard who's like been in for one week and like that's their star premier tackle on the defense and Glasgow just like he wanted to eat him in one and Kenny's just like not and it's like Jesus you can see the the look in these guys eyes it was different and you could see that on the field it's just every play trench warfare our guys wanted it more, and you know, Hutch it's looked just... demented. Hutch looked absolutely demented in between like plays. But he was so hyped up. But the thing is, everybody's like putting in play. Like Bugs will have sat and seen Benito last week coming with the big sacks and the plays, and be like, "Oh shit, I need to do this for my job." And you know, Bugs comes in and makes plays. Charles absolutely decapitates Love at the end of the half. He's like, "I, I need to make plays." It's like. The level of competition they're driving amongst one another is crazy. Because I mean, by the end of that first half, you've then had 
11 sacks in six quarters of football and like we'd have one in the first two games and you were just the pressure rate stupid we're talking about havoc rate last week for the Lions. i think it was even in higher this week i haven't yeah, the, got down to it yet so the pressure rate and after the first half was 50 percent. yeah and it's like it, it's just this d-line is just driving such insane competition that they are all getting involved on it and like the offensive line just worked so well taylor that, that was huge, having Taylor. It just shows yeah. you just how much having that steady presence there helps, you know, and everything then sort of falls into place with the majority of guys in position. And I'm not going to lie, they, they just kicked ass. That It's like one of the best performances we've seen from our, from our offensive line, like in, in Holmes's tenure here, just Are exactly when you need it as well. Are the PFF grades out yet? Because yes, yeah, so like, Decker, Decker was our lowest graded offensive player by well, second lowest graded offensive player. They've got forty three grade or something. I'd be I really mean, interested I mean, to see what um, uh, Cam Sutton, what Cam Sutton's PFF grade. Cam was, Sutton, he, Sutton was seventy point three. He was the eighth best player. I mean, Rashawn yeah, Gary, Rashawn Gary was giving Decker a bit of a. If you're going to say any like Packers player who comes out of this with credit, then Rashawn Gary like absolutely put yeah. a shift in here. He. He was making Taylor work all game, like, incredibly hard. So, and, and I noticed that on the play. I'm like, Jesus, he's there again. He's there again. He's, like, coming off serious injury. He was the one guy on that defense who really, really... I, I, I can list out. about six or seven Packers who came out, you know, really well from this game. Yeah. And it's all of the people on the inactive list because they weren't a part of this. Oh, I was going to say what, Devontae Wyatt. He was pretty good, but... I was yeah, going no. I, I was going to say Key Walker. He's one of our best defenders of the day. Love it. was. <laughs> He was 58.6 grade. We had what, what grade did he get for us? Because you know he's a big, big part of our 99.9. 9. <laughs> <laughs> we have five defenders 80 plus rated by PFF. Ooh. I don't think I've ever seen that before for us. So but you this know is, this is shows. what happens when it works in unison together. Constant pressure on the quarterback then gives you secondary time. It gives them opportunities to make plays. And this is what happens when a well-oiled unit comes together. And I think after two years of a lot of growth, a lot of tough times, you know, a lot of bad periods, it's they're starting to sink now. They say this D-line, we're finally seeing the levels of competition we've wanted to see from them. We're starting to see them assert their dominance. The linebackers are sort of really getting into their roles now and looking great. And the secondary... Played really well in the circumstances, you know, it was to keep it, you know, it's all well getting the pressure, but we've seen in the past, we've got pressure and the secondary gets shredded. Nope. Nope. These guys performed incredibly well. So it's just what happens when a unit works together well. It looks great. It feels great. Looks fantastic. I mean, it's not just about complementary football offense to defense. It's complementary football pass rush to coverage, and that came out so well yesterday. Uh, just having a look back at the third quarter's worth of drives, uh, first drive after the break, you could see how much Lafleur had laid into his players because the urgency clearly was there that had been lacking in some part of the first half. And there were good passes by by Love to Watson for twenty four and to Dobbs for for uh, 15, uh, but they were bolstered by illegal hands to the face penalties, unnecessary roughness penalties on Hutch and Anzalone uh, between them, and then a massive miscommunication between Jerry Jacobs and Ifati Melafonwu um, causes the touchdown wide open by Christian Watson, which was a real shame. You could see that was a massive busted coverage, but that happens in the red zone sometimes. You know, you just got to... 
learn from it, shall we say. Unfortunately, the two-point conversion is also a good pass to Jaden Reed for 27-11. Kept it a two-possession game. We went three and out. Not ideal, especially with Goff throwing a hospital pass to Gibbs. Did not like that. Reminiscent, as we talked about yesterday, Ash, of the Sam Laporza pass last week. Didn't like that. They get the ball back and they start to, you know, are they going to do something? And then Love throws a backwards pass, not to anyone, and loses 10 yards, which might have been a really big turning point in the game because, you know, if they get another eight-pointer at this point, we're kind of starting to quake in our boots just a little bit. But that actually ends up with them having to punt the ball away. Fantastic news for us. We end up then punting the ball back shortly afterwards. And then the biggest controversy, I would say, of the game, we'll talk about the hands to the face, we'll talk about the unnecessary roughness in just a minute, but the clock hits triple zero. And then there's a one Mississippi. And then the play goes, and it's a massive pass to Jaden Reed for 44 yards. Fantastic pass by Love. Brilliant. Like, on the money, lovely route, beats Wall Harris deep. Where's the safety? I don't know. Like, massive, massive miscommunication from the Lions on that play. But Love absolutely did fantastic. I'm not going to take anything away from him. Great play. What the fuck are the referees doing? Sorry, you cannot... It's not like a false start penalty, and they qualified this on the coverage. With a false start penalty, it hits triple uh, uh, double zeros, and you get one second to get the playoff from that point. So when it hits double zero, that isn't the play over. You've got to wait one second. With the game clock, when that hits triple zeros, game's done instantly. Like, there, are, there is no leeway here. And the fact that there was at least a second in between is ridiculous and the referees need to have a good look at themselves because that is not acceptable and it if it cost us a win it would be insane add that to the hands to the face which i actually which wasn't hands the to the face. i think it was it was hands whatever. to the shoulder I mean, in wisconsin the, 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 the school situation in wisconsin is weird if they're thinking that your shoulder's your face it's too many times now that was up here it was here here it's under here it's not the and, face okay Anzalone penalty? Do we think that was head-to-head? Yeah. Was that like the, uh, yeah, tracing, like was that like the tracing walk one that you got done for? I, mean, I, I thought that was I thought that was one that the refs could call, but... Yeah. yeah. You yeah, can't complain like, much. All right. Yeah, but, 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 I mean, an egregious clock run out is like... It's not, it's, it's not uh, like, up for debate. Yeah, I'm... I'm yeah, and the rules and the rep, the rules ref is that they're on the broadcast going, uh, yeah, they can't do that. That's that's wrong. And you're like, well, why can't he get on the blower to whoever's at that damn game and say, take that play back, roll it down the field. They were wrong. Penalty, you know, not not penalty for delay a game, but reverse it. That's stupid. When you're in a billion dollar industry, someone can call it through from head ref office wherever the hell they are and go, that was late. You need to call it back. You ballsed up on that one, and it's and it's crazy because you're thinking it's forty yards. Screw it. Of course, it's going to be as well. If he throws an incompletion, you're not too fussed because it's a forty yard deep bomb in a part of the game where they're sort of coming back into it. You're like, there's some iffy things here, and this came after like the the hands to the face stuff and 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 those, and you're like, these calls are getting iffier. I don't want to moan about the rest today, but. If they're, they're even making Matt swear, so they, you know, <laughs> usually I'm the one who swears about the refs. When he does, you dung gone to big time. But oh. I mean, it, it wasn't even close. Whatever you say, no, about it, wasn't. To, it wasn't. With hands it to was... the face penalties, I can say I think that's his face. Someone can say I think that's his shoulder. It's somewhere in between 
there's some degree of like calling it by a human being on the field and you can kind of see yeah Yeah. okay whatever but when a clock hits triple zeros all you have to do is blow your fucking whistle yeah that's it don't have to do anything else could have a bloody hooter you got a hooter in rugby league you got a hooter in in aussie rules just use a hooter don't need anything else it's very easy anyway Uh, and that, of course, led to a touchdown for Green Bay. So uh, Love scrambled on, on second and goal from the six. Lions completely vacated the middle of the field and just let him waltz in. Like, I, I really don't know what happened on that play. But you've got to know that Love's a threat with his legs. Like, that is a major threat for Jordan Love. So major defensive breakdown. Two-point conversion. This is potentially the second most significant play of the game. So I said about Love throwing it 10 yards behind him might have been the most. But they get two points here and it's a one-possession game. John Kaminsky comes up with an exceptional tackle. Love looks like he's just waltzing in without being touched. And Kaminsky puts an arm out there, drags him down. And there's some Green Bay fans going, what's around his head? This one was not. No, sir, it was not. People, John Kaminsky, uh, not many people talk about him, if you want to use a trope from Pride of Detroit. But a lot more people need to talk about him. Seven pressures in this game and quickly becoming a stalwart of this team. Yeah, this was definitely the best performance like from the interior. And I think Bugs coming back, McNeil had probably one of his best games in the Lions jersey. Um, and you know, Kamish was just all over the place on the inside. And and that play, like it, you know, it completely took the momentum away from the Packers. So yeah, really crucial play that. Yeah. Love Kamish. Kamish makes big plays, Kamish does what he wants. But yeah, it, it, it's indicative of this new team as well. Like say, the old team maybe would have given that two points up and, you know, games wide open again. This team, even though they, they have made a mistake in letting Love Waltz in so easy, it's like, okay, again, dust it off. Let's stop the two points. Let's keep it at 10. You know, it's great. So it's just it's a very resilient from this team. And, and the Packers, I think, got a bit too greedy at this point. There is still plenty of time left, but I'm not going to complain. So well done, Commission. It was great. Moving on from there, and I mean, talk about the Lions responding to situations. When we throw the interception, we go back and we score seven. When they don't get two to keep it a two-possession game, we see the opportunity to kill them out of the game. Montgomery goes on an absolute tear on this drive. It's basically all him. We surprise Green Bay by throwing the ball to Josh Reynolds to get a first down as well. Drive then stalls out. We're happy to make it a 13-point game. Kick the field goal, and we've talked about Quay Walker earlier, but that magnificent human being that he is jumped over the line for no gain whatsoever. If he makes a good play, it doesn't make any difference because it's getting the gaiters. You can see him getting chewed out by the coaching staff on the sidelines saying basically what the fuck are you doing, which is beautiful to watch. Uh, but we make the field goal. It's a 13-point game. That's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for jumping over the line. We, of course, take the points off the board, march down to first and goal territory. And on fourth and goal from the one-yard line, David Montgomery gets his hat-trick. 34-17, chalk it up, ball game, thank you, Quay Walker. Boneheaded, absolutely boneheaded. And you could see the frustration, you know, I mean, the like I said, the, the Packers' defence is in kind of disarray. And it's, it's obviously like, you know, there's just that kind of, um, it just feels chaotic because it feels like the offence like can do what they want. Um, and, you know, we like I said, we... As Alton was saying, we always knew at Lambeau the, the refs were going to interfere in the game at some point. 
And it just felt like it all happened at once in the third quarter. But once we got over that, we were, you know, the, the way that this team bounced back, the two-point stop, and then this drive was fantastic. I think you could tell they were missing, you know, there's no Devondre Campbell, there's no Jair Alexander. I think you're missing senior leaders on that team who are going to sort of rein these guys in because you've seen what Walker's capable of sort of going rogue, doing his own thing. He did last year, and I think that told in this, especially Campbell, who's like been big in the middle of that defence. He's the first mm. like solid linebacker they've had in a long time. And his miss was big in this game. And, you know, for things like that with Key playing out, I think that was, yeah, it wasn't great. But, you know, hell, if, we'll take it, you know, we'll, and we'll punish you. That's, that's the thing. We, we will absolutely punish you there. And I love just the, you know, just keep going for it. You know, don't be conservative. Just keep going. I love Dan's call in during this game. I thought it was great. Um, I don't know whether he mentioned it earlier before I came up, but I love the impact Dan's having on this league now when, Matt LaFleur made that conscientious decision to not put us at fourth and goal and take a penalty instead took us back to third and ten. It's just like, yeah. who does that? Who? Yeah. Because you're going to kick a field goal for them, but because he realises how aggressive Dan is, it's like he took the chance of moving us back ten yards in the hope that we wouldn't convert that third rather than us be close to the goal line and do something. That's Dan getting in Matt LaFleur's head. And, you know, I just love the way Dan Koshis, it was just no mercy, but at the same time, it was also still controlled, but, but, aggress- but it's, controlled it's aggression. An, that play in particular is nuts. Me and Ash talked about that on stream. With us being ahead against an inferior opponent, there's no way we weren't just kicking the field goal in that position. Dan would not be going for it there. So by taking the 10, because he's got in his head, they gave us a chance at the touchdown. When we were always going for the field goal, like if we're behind by five and we don't think we're getting the ball back, of course we're going for it. And then there's certain situations in between. That isn't one of those times. So I was saying to Ash, this is a fuck up by Matt LaFleur. Like it's not even close. This isn't getting in your head. This is just panicking and making the wrong decision. Yeah. And and the fact that Dan's now sort of mastered it, it's like opposition coaches are like, oh, I don't, I don't know when he's going to do this now. Before, it would either be he'd do it all the time or he'd stop doing it altogether. Now it's like they just don't know. And at the end of the day, they now, some coaches feel that it is in their best interest to negate the downs and add the yardage on just to try and keep him away from those situations where he might do something stupid that makes them look foolish. And, you know, that's testament to Dan and his coaching of what he had here. LaFleur obviously was rattled by him and, you know, it affected his own game plan and the way he went about it. Right, just to end off, uh, end this game, a deep pass to Samori Torre for 35 yards. Uh, that gets the Packers into the red zone. I mean, at this point, they should be 13 down if Quay Walker didn't do anything stupid. So he would be very much in this game at this point. Get into the red zone and then Love, under pressure, sees a man under the posts who then actually bails out towards a corner route in scramble drill he doesn't see that the guy's bailed for scramble so he throws to where he was jerry reads it completely and he comes underneath for a great interception two interceptions for jerry on the day uh as as ash rightly listed in the trivia first lions cornerback to do that at green bay since 196 no since dick mabo 1968 yeah yeah incredible 
he fully deserves that. So that pretty much ends it anyway. We run four-minute offense, burn their timeouts, end up punting it away. Love gets sacked by Comitius. Hutch flushes him out the pocket. They have to settle for a 50-yard field goal. Don't get the onside kick. We then complete a fourth down with no timeouts. Have to win the game. 34 to 20 finishes off. We've got lots of stuff on interviews and presses. I don't think there's anything outstanding on this apart from... Uh, Dan Campbell saying that Jerry has been outstanding in the last two weeks. He's bounced back really well since Seattle. Uh, that Monty came out and said, our offense wasn't up to it today and we can be better than this. Really stands out to me, which is which is fun. Um, talks about him and Decker both just showing the level of grit required to play in Detroit. You know, that's the stand right now, them coming back from injury, which is great. Goff talked about coming back from interception. He said, you know, I've got to not do that, but I can bounce back and I feel confident in myself, which is great. And also responded to the poor man's Matt Ryan comment on the live commentary after the game, saying I didn't know I was a poor man's anything. Tracy Walker and uh, Aiden Hutchinson both gave a shout out to fans in the UK because apparently there was a UK-based um, journalist in the locker room after the game. Who knew? Um, and just said, Hutch said, today's win is extra special because of, you know, in division against the Packers, big rivalry away from home, whatever. Um, and then Jerry said, I had so much fun. I haven't had two picks in one game since college in my sophomore season. We hungry. So that's all of the quotes. That's the end of the game. But obviously we've talked about much of that already. Uh, game themes, trenches, domination, boys. I mean, both sides of the ball, apart from Rashawn Gary, Lions utterly dominated both sides of the ball. I mean, first half, I think it was 20 minutes to 10 in time of possession. It really, really showed because they basically had no chance to score. No, no, you just you just throttle them. And, and, you know, even if you do give up a few plays to a guy like Rashawn Gary, he's an elite pass rusher. He's going to get one or two on you in a game. You know, there's no way you're just going to shut them out entirely. But in the grand scheme of things, the plays he made were completely insignificant against you know everything that went on you you're running the ball well you're distributing the ball really well and then on your pass rush you just they just look so much better than the one-on-ones and, and that's what it does to you just allows you to be you know it just allows you to be more free in what you do it was great and you just play complimentary and then I know Jeremy Reisman hates it but there is such a thing as momentum in football teams do get swallowed up by and that game was more poignant than any for that point yesterday the Lions got hot the Packers got cold and just every time the defense came out on the field they were so aggressive with the closing speeds you know the tackles just they just did not let them breathe and the offense just was suffocating it just ran the ball down their throat and this is crazy now because they say the offense isn't playing well but it's like JMO's back now and I mean what the hell are you going to do as a defensive coordinator? Because now Monty's plowing holes with loads of yak through. You can't lighten the box against him because they'll just plow through. And But then you can't give any assistance to the deep guys to look after JMO and all these other guys either. It's just going to add another wrinkle already. And it's going to be a nightmare for people to deal with. But trenches, yeah, just... An, yeah, they kicked a field goal. We kicked their ass. I said it. That that that's how that game went yesterday. You know, full full credit to all of them. I mean, and said it all in the trenches. But just in terms of momentum, if if there'd have been another seven or eight minutes on the clock instead of half time, if that second quarter had gone another seven or eight minutes, we'd have scored another fourteen points. Like 
it was just like a mudslide at that point. Um, and like I said, the half term half time kind of saved them because it gave them a chance to regroup. But we would have just continued pounding them um, if that second quarter had carried on, and and it would have been game over. Anyone surprised about how much tread David Montgomery actually got coming off injury? Because given that Jameer Gibbs went five yards a carry on eight eight touches of the ball in the run game, it feels really heavy to give Demo 34 carries. And I mean, I know he was super successful late on, but he was going at about three, three and a half yards a carry early. He wasn't getting, he was getting enough success, but he wasn't getting a huge amount of success to say, oh, we can't change it up here. And yet they continue to persist with him and it worked. It definitely worked, but it's not sustainable too, especially for someone who's injured. No, but I think in the situation, he was the right guy to use. You know, even if he wasn't breaking off the massive chunk plays and everything, he was getting the hard yards we needed to to get into the short second and third downs to be able to pass it round. So he's doing his job there. And and I that for him was personal. You know, he's had to sit there and listen as an opposition quarterback says, I own you. He's had to sit through humiliation after humiliation with this team. And it's like he's a very talented guy. There's people saying, oh, he's not that good. He's mid. He's been on this bad team. He can't beat the Packers. And I think, you know, that gives him the added incentive. He will have been right up for this. And he will have, if he'd have been at any knocks, any pain, he wouldn't have let them know because he's playing through it. Because as I say, that is four, five years of aggression, built up energy, all coming out in one. So I'm not surprised that they did. He he was pivotal to what we were doing. And even if it, it didn't have to be seven or eight yards a game, it has to be enough to make it work, and and he was. On Montgomery as well, did anyone notice how well the lines blocked for him specifically on the touchdown runs? In condensed part of the fields, the running lanes were absolutely massive, whereas in bigger parts of the field, it didn't seem to be that way. It was Montgomery making a smart jump cut, maybe where it's not designed to go just to gain an extra yard here or there. Whereas in goal-to-go situations, it was like we were creating massive swathes of room for him, apart from the fourth down and one play right at the end, it seemed like we, we were doing something different that they weren't prepared for. And I haven't yet examined why, but that was glaring to me. I think it wasn't so much we were doing something different. It's just because the field was condensed for the defence, we could almost push players back into other players. So I know I posted on the Discord one of the boldest breakdowns, and it was on one of the touchdown runs. You could see, like, Decker was blocking two people at once. Everyone was blocking two people at once because they were so condensed. You could almost have one hand on one guy like that, and the other mm-hmm. one that is just while you're in the red zone. It can, obviously you've got the condensed uh, form of what you can call it because you can't call the deep shots. It's the same for the defense. All the defenders are squashed tighter and tighter, so it's easier for your run fits to sort of pick up the guys who you're going to be blocking and just block them because obviously we're a gap scheme and that's what we do. We just block a man. We don't block an area, so it's just easier for us in the red zone. Right, time to go to our newly named segment, Cigars and Subpars, uh, aptly named last week. Uh, so who wants to volunteer to hand out some cigars first up? I mean, where do you start? There's like well, someone, someone can. Um, <laughs> um, um, do you want me to start? Yes, so Daryl Daniels, the guy we've got, we signed up from the practice squad. I know he's very unheralded. He was mostly just brought up for his special teams and that. But for, for him to play, for, I miss he only played five snaps and most of it was in the backfield as a 
fullback run blocking, but teams get 74.1 grade off get like one day notice that he's going to be coming up. Probably made the decision yesterday at practice and then he finally got called up. He fitted in pretty damn well for uh, on the offense. You didn't really notice anything wrong with him. It's almost like I know with Kabinda, usually there's you can see him miss one block a game or drop a pass. With him, he just sit, fitted in seamlessly. You didn't really notice him. And that's what you want from your fullback, just for him to come in, see whichever guy he's going to be blocking and just go and destroy him. And that's what Daryl Daniels did. I, I think um, cigars to the entire defensive line. So for McNeil in the middle, Kamish, um, you know, and, and then like Hutch, Charles Harris looked lively again. It, it just seemed like they were so up for it. So the whole front seven on, in defence, I think it, it was their big game. Where do you start? Branch, screw it. Branch gets cigars again because he's just absolutely an amazing my favorite part one He's of a maniac. Favorite, one of my favorite parts of the game is when he was on that coverage. Um, I can't remember where it was, but he swatted a pass away from Jordan Love that he threw at him. And he just he just it was with the most utter disdain you have ever seen in your life. Yeah. It's like he's looking at Jordan Love going, Why are you throwing at me? Yeah, like, you're not good enough to throw against me. He just went wang. And it's the way you said like, that's like in the New York Gangs, you throwing at me. You throwing at me? You throwing at me? You throwing at me? You throwing at me? But it, he <laughs> did, and it was it was the it was the demeanor and the attitude, just like ding. He didn't even try. He's like, don't don't do that again. You ain't got no success against me. And it's just this swagger and his his brashness, and and he gets hurt, and then he comes back in. He's like, no, I want back in. You know, we're we're winning heavily at this time, and I know people have critiqued him going back in, but you know what? No, I want that kind of fight in my player. I want him to go. He, he wants to go in there and continue the ass whooping. And that's kind of the that's the attitude I want out of my players, and he leads it. So Branch gets loads, and then you know because we're in the secondary, Jerry gets them as well because he's had justified criticism recently. Yeah, he's not been good, but this is like the first time in his three year career here he's had a slump. What you would disclassify as a slump for where he's come from, and he's had so much criticism, which is unwarranted for him to bust his ass off yet again, come back two picks big plays in the game it's indicative of who he is as a player and it's like yeah stop betting against him he's just gonna prove you wrong he will have his he will have his lumps all corners do and again where he's coming from and that definitive a performance from him is great and i really wanted to see that from him because now mosley's back it's like really healthy competition at the cornerback spot obviously mosley's going to get lots of reps and that but jerry's going to be in there fighting he's going to be playing his best that's best for this team that they're all doing well so and there could be more in the secondary they're all going to be they're exactly exactly i'll let someone else do it now because there are loads that i could give to him i mean the most obvious one to me is aleem yeah. For sure. It was a breakout game for him. Like he had back-to-back plays with a TFL on a sack. He was just living in the backfields. He was giving the center fits. Like he he was exceptional on the day. Sorry, Steve. I, I was gonna I was just gonna say, like, I don't think anyone on this podcast or any of our listeners are gonna begrudge Jerry having like a fantastic comeback game and getting cigars. Like we all wanted to see it. Like I think you know a lot of the criticism was warranted because he he has had a, like a you know a, a bit of a slump, um, but like I said you know we're playing him 
man on man with DK Metcalf and anyone's going to struggle. So I think that the, the defense has been schemed better, but he's stepped up and he's, you know, he's not gone to pieces. He's not hit. He's, he's had two picks at Lambeau and like, we're all absolutely delighted for him. I mean, Josh Reynolds. I mean, the guy is completely unheralded. If he got cut now, the league isn't exactly going to be queuing up to pick him up because it's just not who he is. But he has had three outstanding games out of four. 12 catches out of 19 targets, 250 yards, average of 18 yards a catch and two touchdowns. But it seems to pop up exactly when we need him. Like, if there ever was a clutch non-quarterback player on this team, it's Amarasen Brown first. Josh Reynolds has to be in that conversation. Whenever we need him on a big third down, he's there. And he's got really safe hands. Love that guy. Him or Raymond always seem to pop up. Yeah. I'm going to go for someone that's a bit... Well, it's not an offender or an uh, offender. Patterson. For someone who would much maligned the kicking position, this is taken into account last week as well. He hasn't missed a kick so far. When we've needed him to kick an extra point or field goal, he's done it. Yeah, He's done what he's needed to do, so... Cigars for him to sort of kind of cement his place. If he is our kicker throughout the season now, I won't be surprised because if he's carrying on this kind of form where he's not really missing much and he's not really doing anything wrong, then we can't really ask for more, can we? No. Cam Sutton had a terrific day. Just thought he was lights out in the corner position. Melifonru as well to that point too. I thought he had a stonking game. So I think he got beat once in coverage, which wasn't great. But other than that, I thought he was super solid and backed up his performance from last week. I think there's probably about 30 players you could give him to. Yeah, probably. It's probably easier to you know dissect the list of those who wouldn't. I've got one name I want to say with subpar. One. Me too. I think he's probably the same player. Do you? Do you think it's the same player? Because I don't think it's the same player. Is he a wide receiver? No, he's not. Oh, okay. He's a special teamer. Hmm. Jack Fox had a poor day. His punts were, by his standards, maybe 20, 25 yards less far than I would have expected them. Like, he was consistently punting from our 30 to their 30. You know, one of our punts went for a net yardage of 14 because of a really good return, but it was because it didn't hang up very long and was received very well by the green play player. But like, it just wasn't a good day for him. And coming hey. off the back of one of his career days last week. So it's one of those yeah. things. Hey, look at us as a team. Two years ago, like Fox would be the only guy getting a cigar after a game performance one day. And now we're in a situation where he's the only guy not getting one. That's progress, folks. How good is that? Look, yeah. That's pretty good. I, I mentioned it last night on the coverage dinner. I was saying he has looked a bit iffy over the last year or so. And yeah, I completely agree. Last week he was looking good, but yeah, this week it's just, it, I, don't, I don't know what's fell up. It, may, it might just be that this new, this new coverage, kick cover, uh, punt coverage scheme we have just isn't working for him, unfortunately. I still think he was fantastic last year, but I do think he's had a couple of iffy days this, this year so far. But yeah, Steve, you had a wide receiver. I mean, just Marvin Jones, again, like, was just anonymous. And it's a shame because, like, he used to be one of my favourite players. So, you know, he, he just didn't contribute. Or, I, I, you know, I think someone said he was doing a lot of blocking, but he, yeah, I didn't. So, yeah. on his, so, he had 21 snaps yesterday. Obviously, he had that one target in the red zone on the fourth down, that uh, the first down he didn't really get. But, yeah, more of his snaps were for run blocking and, like, 
on like getting to uh, passing plays. He was at uh, 10 passing plays, 11 run blocking snaps. He's That's what we have him for. He's just a run block on the outside at this point, unfortunately. He had one target in this game, but then so did Khalif Raymond. So, and Antoine Green didn't have any. So, you know, actually on the day, we only had receptions from three wide receivers and one of them was Khalif Raymond for negative two yards. So, you know, we don't use wide receivers a lot in the past game, which is a bit weird. But, you know, Sam Laporta and, and you know, Jameer Gibbs are going to be a big part of it. And otherwise, Amaras and Brown's a man unto himself. So, a receiving core unto himself. Right. I think that's going to do it for this game. We've got about 10 minutes just to discuss what's coming up on Sunday, everyone. So let me just run down the games. Obviously, we've got the early kick at Wembley Stadium, Atlanta at Jacksonville at half past two UK time, which is, I don't know, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, And then Miami at Buffalo, Denver at Chicago, Baltimore at Cleveland, Cincinnati at Tennessee, Los Angeles Rams at Indianapolis, Tampa Bay at uh, New Orleans, Washington at Philadelphia, Minnesota at Carolina, and Pittsburgh at Houston is the the one o'clock slate, six o'clock slate here. 9 p.m. slate, 4 p.m. slate is uh, Raiders at Chargers, Pats at Cowboys, Cardinals at 49ers. Late game is Chiefs at Jets, and then the Monday night game is uh, Seahawks at Giants. What are you watching? What are you looking forward to? Anything that stands out to you from any of those games? There's a there's a Canadian football league game in there amongst that lot. That that's weird. <laughs> there's two. There's two. There is I mean, two. I, I think the <clears throat> I think the game of Sunday is probably the Dolphins against the Bills. Uh, Dolphins are legit. Bills are frauds. That'll be a that'll be one sided. Um, and so we're just talking back on the Packers. I looked at their schedule, and after like this long week, they've got the Raiders, and then they've got a bye, and then they've got the Broncos. Oh, now, that's two and zero then. Well, this is the thing because it's almost like that's that's almost like a bad schedule because if they lose either of those two games. Like there's going to be uproar in Green Bay because you, know, you almost hope that they had like a couple of harder games to kind of really rebound into. So it's going to be interesting because and like I oh, said, they're both away from home as well. And particularly if they lose against the Raiders and then they've got a whole bye week and Jordan Love's had a, a bad game, then there's going to be a lot of QB talk in Lambo, which we're all going to love. So. Like low key, I'm I'm interested to see how the Texans do against the Steelers. Now CJ Stroud's yeah. had his two big weeks and he's looking good. And you know, now you're coming up against a legit defense, like a really legit defense. It's like just just how good are the Texans? Because they don't need to be great. That Steelers offense is mid, mid, mid Canada, yeah. um, or whatever. <laughs> I, I, he's not even wherever he is now. He's Offense, or is he quarterback special? Special quarterback coach or something now? Yeah, whatever. He's special. <laughs> he's <very laughs> special. But I, I'm actually interested to see how they do there because you know, 20, 25 points can win them that game, and if they can beat the Steelers, then it's like, oh, maybe they can, maybe they can do something this year. The Texans. So I might actually watch that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to watch the toilet bowl. I don't think. Although, oh, I'm going to watch the toilet interest. bowl. I'm watching I, both. I cannot wait to watch Bryce Young 
carve up the Vikings. I'm sorry, but it's happening. It's coming. Oh, wait, I was talking about the Bears and the Broncos. Oh, that's what I'm that's saying. A, that that is on a different tier. That's on a different yeah. plane of existence. That, 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 that's the, the... <laughs> so, so the funniest thing about that was that um, the Vegas had set the odds for the game, and then even though the um, the Broncos were hit for six, seventy points, the Bears' performance the same day actually meant that the odds swung. To, away from the Bears, even though the Broncos had had 70 put on them, the, the odds yeah. actually went up for the Broncos, oh, having man. just eaten 70 points. And that says everything about the Bears' performance. Isn't it at Soldier Field as well? It yes. is, yeah. So the Bears are dogs in their own home against the team that just gave up 70. Yeah. Yeah, they're on for the number one pick. Yeah, it's yeah. the truth. But they they will be getting Caleb Williams, and they will be shipping out Justin Fields. That is what's happening right now. They could be, this game could potentially solidify them the one and two pick because obviously Carol, they own Carolina's first round pick as well, and they're winless. If Minnesota win, the Bears are pretty much screwed on for William. Well, Williams, unless he decides to return, like he keeps threatening to, which I wouldn't be surprised if he does. But they're pretty much now done to at least get Marvin Harrison, who they're gonna. Under that they're going to misuse like DJ Moore and like uh, Chase Claypool, who today in the locker room has told reporters he doesn't like how the off uh, they're using him in the offense. You know what? If you could guarantee, if you could like, you know, uh, me from two weeks in the future came back and said we were going to beat the Tampa Bay Bucks in a few weeks, I would happily let the Panthers beat us just to dilute their draft pick so they don't get like one and two. I would, I would make that trade. I think I would be happy doing that. Okay, so clearly the best game of the entire slate, right, is the one o'clock game between Miami and Buffalo, right? Everyone's going to watch yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, be... Can't. It... I don't have Sky, so I can't watch it. Oh, Not is it the Sky one? It's a Sky be. game, yeah. Oh, of course it's going to be. Into it, but so. Tua is doing something that quarterbacks just haven't uh, done for a long time, if ever, because that offense is the most overpowered on offense I've ever seen. Like, it's... When it was Tyreek Kill, it was bad enough in, in Kansas City, but now you've got a quarterback who's potentially more accurate than Mahomes in short to intermediate distances and an offense perfectly designed. You know, McDaniels is just lighting it up right now. Are we all Cardinals fans this week, by the way? Because if they can, like, upset the 49ers again, we, we can start, like, looking at two-seed and stuff like that. I feel like I'm a closeted Arizona fan anyway, just because that team is so bad, it's funny that they win. It's just funny. Like, Josh Dobbs I mean, played amazing last week. But for like I mean, the, uh, the Garden Gnome comments. Well, I mean, the thing is about Ryan McCluskey is the Garden Gnome comments were only his second best comments of the week because his Dobby best comment Dallas. was saying Dobby does Dallas. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I bow to the his genius. Bang! Hey, he, 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 got, he got viral yesterday as well. Did he? With his, oh, yeah. yeah, with his with Didn't his George see? with his George Bush one, he got viral. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, went on Pride of Detroit's website. Got to didn't Pride of Detroit and everything. Yeah. So yeah, he, there we he go. Got viral with that. Well, I mean, the, so the ba- the battle for the NFC South could be decided by Tampa Bay at New Orleans as well. That's an interesting game. It, I mean, it's a shit off, but you know, the, the the one result we want this weekend is if we're talking NFC South, we want the Panthers to beat the Vikings. That that is yeah best yeah. of every single world because everyone's going. 
I mean, it's like with Kirk. He's got the most passing yards. Italy. No one cares. He's a fraud. He should have, you know, should have completed that drive in the last game. Should have won. Complete right. fraud. You lose to the Panthers. I think the Vikings will win. I think you're wrong, but okay. Um, <laughs> we can't have that good a weekend. We've already had yes, a lot we of can. so far. Oh, so we so can. much luck to screw us over. It's coming. Um, right. Three minutes to go on the show. Then we're going to take some of your questions on the post-show show. Uh, but we've got a question, which I think is quite interesting, from Grandizer, one of the biggest supporters of the show in the YouTube, uh, YouTube channel. Sorry, I can't get my words out. I'm still not world. quite here. In the world. In the world. Um, and he asks, what do you predict the Lions record will be when the bye week arrives? So we're going to finish on this for the audio pod. You've all done your season predictions. So you have a guiding light as to what you thought it would be. But we're here now. And we've played differently with expectations, lower than expectations compared to how you predicted. Our games before the bye are versus Carolina, at Tampa Bay, at Baltimore, versus Vegas. We are oh, three and one. At least three of those. We're, we're winning at least three of those. Um, um, I'm, so, I'm, so we're seven, I'm saying seven and two. You, well, well, you can't. Have, you can't. You two. can't have seven and well, two. Six six and, one, six two, and three. Two. Yeah, six. Aren't we free? So we've got Carolina, yeah. Tampa, Baltimore, Vegas. One, two, three, four. Three, yeah, four. sorry, miscounting. Yeah, yeah. So do you go three and one? And so six and two. Yeah. Okay. Six and two. Yeah. We've lost. Last year, you, you were Notre Dame defensive coordinator, Ash. <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> they can't count either. Anyone else? <laughs> Any advance on what we're going to be at the bye? I'm, I mean, I, I've got six and two. I would be ecstatic with six and two. I think that's where we'll be. I think the Ravens might be the loss, but we'll win the other three. I, I mean, I can't see us losing to the Raiders. The Raiders were rubbish last week. Um, I can't, I can't see it. it's six, six and two, but I think we can beat the Ravens as well. Like I think we could be seven and one I, because I don't think the Ravens are all that at the moment. The Ravens tend to get better as the season goes on, particularly their defense. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a tough game because it's in Baltimore, isn't it? Yeah, I've got I've yeah. got an any given Sunday vibe about this. I think in at least one of those four, there'll be an any given Sunday thing. So, but I think we'd all we'd all snap the hand off at six and two. I think right. So I'm I'm definitively saying seven and one. I said seven and one by the by. So I'm sticking with it. The only thing is that I had our loss against Baltimore, but I'm flipping it because I just don't think they're as good a team as I expected them to be. So I mean well, part fair, of that is because they're banged list. up to hell. Yeah, the injury yeah. list is horrific, and I don't expect the turnaround by then. So also, do you want an update on the season predictions so far? Yes. Because I've just done it. Uh Okay, in joint last place is Ryan Farden, Ryan McCluskey, Steve and Tom with four points each. In, wow. in joint second, only a point more, five points is Ash and Ant. And I am first with nine points. Myself and Ant both have perfect scores for one week. And just hasn't had any other results right at all. It's hence why you're on five. You picked last week on the nose. You had us beating Atlanta by 14. 
which is a, a terrific pull. I had us beating the Chiefs by one. So that's how that shakes out. But I, I picked four and oh, and it's three and one. So that's how I've I've got three of the results right so far. Okay. But how again and what points make prizes. They do indeed. Right. That's gonna do it. That's going to do it on the audio pod. We're going to sign off here and take YouTube and Twitch's questions before we sign off on there. So if you want to listen to some more questions and some more content, get to the YouTube and Twitch chat so you can see the replays on there now. Preview show for the Carolina Panthers game is coming up next Thursday. Hopefully we're going to have Dave from the Panther Nations podcast. Fingers crossed. Haven't confirmed that, but he's our Panthers guy, so hopefully we can figure that out. College Pod was on Wednesday, week four in review, week five to preview. Obviously, it's going to be a terrific weekend of college football coming up tomorrow, so if you want to learn more about that, go back and listen to that on the audio pod or on YouTube. You can find us on our socials on Royal Lions UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the group for worldwide fans is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pro Worldwide. The articles are on rotluk.com. I dropped our review article of yesterday's game a few hours ago. Go and read that there. You can see what Ash thought the game was going to be in the preview article. There's going to be a bit more coming up soon on there as well. Just remains to me to thank Ant, Steve, and Ash for breaking this down with me. I'm Matthew Turner, and we'll see you next week. Let's go Lions. One pride. Fuck the Packers. Fuck the Packers. Fuck the Packers Friday.